the publications, the scientific publications, you know, one of them may be more important than another. And if you get one from the more important. Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. <laughs> Hello, anyone who want to learn more about SEO, about getting results, about SEO strategy. Uh, we are going to discuss more about informational retrieval, many other things. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Mike Graham. How are you? I'm very good, and how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Looking forward to learn more. I remember our first episode. Uh, yeah, you shared a lot of valuable insight. You spoke on my podcast, and I got a lot of engagement <laughs> when you share all this valuable insight. Uh, but I have new audience as well. I'm working on that. So, Mike, remind more about yourself, about your background for new listeners who might not know you, but they will know you after this podcast. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out whether I'm one of the good people or the bad people. <laughs> bit of a bit of both. Uh, yes, I mean I came online way back in uh, 1995. So uh, my first uh, my first uh, internet marketing agency um, was formed 28 years ago. So I've been around for a while. In fact, I, I guess when I formed my uh, agency, some people who are in the industry weren't even born. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things have changed. Uh, yeah, so since uh, 1998, uh, although I started in 1995, in 1998, virtually all I was doing was what we now call search engine optimization. It didn't actually have a name back then. It was just doing stuff with search engines, you know. Yeah. Um, but I figured out quite a lot that, uh, A, search was going to be the big thing in the future because how were you going to find anything on the web? And then from a marketing point of view, well, how important is it going to be that you're in those top 10 results? So like many other people around uh, back in the day, I started experimenting and, um, you know, figured out that there were certain things that you could do that could manipulate the results. Um, and then about two years later, after I'd uh, gained a lot more experience, uh, I decided to share that. So I wrote a little book on search engine positioning, as it was originally called. Um, and that did fairly well. But... Um, uh, it, it wasn't as complete or as comprehensive as it could have been. Uh, anyway, um, from uh, one of the uh, earliest search engines, a search engine called Webcrawler, the guy who had built that, his name is Brian Pinkerton. I managed to get in touch with him uh, when I was working on the second edition of the book. And he said to me, I looked at the first one, it was kind of okay, but there's a lot that's missing. And he said, I recommend that you read the classic book on information retrieval, which was written by a scientist by the in fact, I've got a copy of the of the the, the book here. This is a, an introduction to information retrieval, and this was published in 1976. Believe it or not, way back then. Uh, and he said, if you read some of this um, uh, by Gerard Salton, the scientist, who's largely known as the uh, the father of uh, information retrieval, um, he said you'll have a much better idea not of just how search really works now but how it's going to change in the future so i started reading that book and honestly it just boiled my brains because it was such an in-depth subject but once i started to understand some of the principles behind information retrieval and applied some of that just thinking so much differently 
about not just HTML or JavaScript and that kind of stuff, but actually looking at the science that Google and other search engines were using. And it changed the way that I approached uh, SEO. And that's why during the course of uh, my career as a, an SEO, as um, a publisher of a Search Engine Watch uh, for five years and Click Z, um, you know, it, running the conference, I always made a point of being able to um, introduce some elements of information retrieval. And I've always had great feedback from the SEOs uh, in the industry who uh, pay attention to that and want to read a little more. And it's going to become even more important um, for the future because obviously with this huge change, uh, leaps and advances in artificial intelligence and machine learning technology, the science remains the same, but the technology that's powering it is absolutely so super powered now, you know? Yeah. So that's a long answer to a short question once again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice background. I love it. It's interesting. Marketers often create uh, often create a buying persona, and uh, they consider demographics, uh, interests, hobbies, jobs, but they never uh, divide by bad and good people. <laughs> I think everyone <laughs> thinks that they are good people, but who knows? <laughs> uh, and I like your answer. You probably bad or good. Me too. You know? Yeah. Yep. Think so that I'm perfect. Of course, I have some bad side. Uh, yeah, and uh, but let's talk about good side. <laughs> Mike, All right, <laughs> Mike, can you explain more about informational retrieval uh, for someone who uh, doesn't know what it means, uh, how it works, especially if we are talking about ACO? Because you mentioned mm -hmm. that created before ACO, but how it concerns in uh, ACO game. So information retrieval as a science has been around for a very long time. Like I say, that book written by Gerard Salton uh, goes back to 1976, but he was working on information retrieval techniques from the, uh, the 60s. Um, he invented something called the vector space model. I'll come back to that a little later on because it's so important, but he actually explained what the vector space model was in that book that I've just shown you, that very old dusty book. Um, and when I understood... Um, about what he was doing, trying to take text, huge amounts, quantities of text, and then be able to rank documents in order so that at that time there was no such thing as the World Wide Web. So he was envisaging digital libraries, which would eventually come on CD-ROMs and those kind of things. Unfortunately, he died before the World Wide Web came around, so he never saw his invention used the way that it is now. So if you take three areas that we look at it as uh, SEOs, we look at text, and think about indexing, yeah? We look at links, and some people are still mystified as to exactly why we do that, yes? And then a search engine also takes in end-user behavior. And these are the three main aspects of information retrieval, looking at the text, being able to rank the most authoritative documents, yeah? And then looking who is actually um, engaging with your content, who's reading your content. And so we spend a lot of time as SEOs and in the industry speculating on Google could be doing this or Bing could be doing that or Baidu, they could be doing this, that and the other. But if you have the principles of understanding from an information retrieval point of view what it is that a search engine is trying to do, then you can do a lot more to help Google 
And if you help Google, believe me, Google helps you back as well. So if you just start with the text, there is so much text that's out there. And information retrieval was all about text retrieval to begin with, yes? So you would look for specific keywords, and that was keyword search, and that's how SEO started. But you have two problems with just the keyword side with science. First of all, there are so many, so many documents now on the web, okay? So one of the um, kind of uh, analogies that I use is, um, let's say you're a music student and you write a paper about Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, yes? And then a guy who is an orchestra conductor who has to conduct orchestras all over the world with this one piece of music, he decides to write um, a paper about Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Which one of these documents do you expect would be the most authoritative? Well, it wouldn't be the student, it would be the orchestra conductor because he's done this so many times. However, if you just look at the text and at the keywords, it's possible that this particular student, yeah, if we're only looking at the text, could come at number one and the orchestra conductor is at uh, number 100, which is completely the wrong way around. So there has to be a way of not just looking at the text, but also being able to rank in an order, yeah? And we see a lot of this in this EAT, E-E-A-T, that people talk about now in the industry about expertise, authority, and, uh, and trust. Um, so the same thing applies when you're looking at text in that way. Um, the other thing is that we use so many different words and phrases that are actually applying to the same thing that if all you ever did, if a search engine only ever looked at the text on the page and only brought you back pages that had that text, there are so many great results that you'd miss. A great example of that I've used over and over again is if you did a search for fish tank at Google and Google only gave you pages with the words fish and tank, you would never see a tropical fish aquarium. And a tropical fish aquarium is probably a better result because that's probably what you are actually looking for. So you use all of these kind of um, uh, kind of expansion techniques around keywords um, in an effort to be able to surface as many relevant documents. Information retrieval is about a subject. It's not specific data like data retrieval where you have to bring the specific numbers or the specific words. So it's a, about a subject. So it's a fish tank, it's a tropical fish aquarium, it's you know whatever the terms are, whatever the phrases are that you use for that. Um, but how do we get the, the document that is probably the most authoritative to rank at the very top? This is why links became so important. And again, this is based on citation analysis. And that guy, Gerard Sultan, that book way back in 1976, explains this uh, thing called citation analysis. And it's looking at uh, white papers that are written by scientists and then are published in specific uh, publications, magazines. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they look at how many times your paper has been cited by another author. And that's exactly the way that links work. When somebody points back to you, it's somebody giving a vote to your work, to your content, saying why they think your content is good. Uh, I remember an information retrieval scientist saying to me uh, many years ago when we was ex he was explaining about links on the web, he said, we tend to find when people create web pages, they tend not to link to the 10 worst websites you've ever seen. They link to the 10 best websites. Yeah. Um, so that's why linking has become so important. Now, 
one of the things that was discovered way back in the day, and this will help uh, anybody who um, wants to look a little deeper at information retrieval and the science behind looking at links, exactly what it is that Google is doing. There are so many clues that links give to the importance of a document. Now, a guy called uh, John Kleinberg, who is uh, probably one of the preeminent computer scientists in the world. If you said this guy's won every kind of award you can imagine. And way back in uh, the late 90s, he wrote a paper about an algorithm that he had developed called HITS, H-I-T-S. It stands for Hypertext-Induced Topic Search. That's a big mouthful. Uh, he was writing that paper at the same time as Sergey Brin and Larry Page were writing their uh, document on PageRank, and they both actually did cite each other's uh, work. And that was because they understood the importance of looking at the way that these documents link together. So legend has it that John Kleinberg went to uh, AltaVista at the time, which was the big search engine just before Google came around, and he did a search for Japanese automotive manufacturer. And then he looked at the top 10 results and they were garbage. They were absolutely terrible. It was like some secondhand car dealer over here mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. And, you know, but there was no Nissan. There was no Toyota. There was no, you know, these uh, Honda, uh, the major manufacturers. And that had him thinking about just how bad the results were. But you had to figure out why is it that those top ranking of what, what are the, the top manufacturers? Why is it that they are not there at the top? So he went to each of those websites. He went to the Toyota website, to Honda, um, and all of the major ones, and realized that not one of their pages had the words Japanese automotive manufacturer. And because the words didn't appear on those pages, they didn't rank for it. So um, without getting too deep into how he developed the algorithm, he thought that he would take a look at maybe it's just the top, you know, three, four hundred results that came from Alta Vista for a search. And then instead of looking at the keywords, actually look at how these things link to each other, how these pages link to each other. And sure enough, you worked on the algorithm and um, eventually when it was it started to work, sure enough, when the algorithm converged, looking at linkage data, there at the top was Toyota, right underneath was Honda. And, and it was because the links were giving the clue, not just to the importance of those websites because of the quality of the links coming in, yeah, but the link anchor text and the words that were included in the link anchor text about these major manufacturers. So that's why linking is, uh, is so important. And it's become a major part of information retrieval. Looking at the words on a page, like I say, you could rank just the wrong page or you may not have the most authoritative page, but by using links, as a starting point, uh, for a while, you know, search depended way too much on just looking at links um, and being ranked just on um, on hyperlink uh, analysis. Uh, one of the things that, again, was a major problem in search back in the day when Google first started and became the massive search engine that it is, um, people would go and do a search for a keyword or a phrase. You would get the top 10 uh, links on a page, then people click on the link and then they disappear into the darkness and nobody ever knows where they've gone again. So we never know really, is that the actual correct result? Was that the right page? Well, of course, now with Chrome browser and uh, Microsoft, everybody's following you around. I mean, you know, for a fact that it's Chrome is not just following you 
after you've uh, done a search at Google, Chrome is following you all of the time and taking in all of the data, who you are, who you are, where you are, you know, geographically, all of those kinds of things, taking all of that data in. So uh, eventually Google begins to uh, realize that sometimes with the results when they've been ranked according to their authority with the uh, link analysis, that people will click on something that maybe sits at number five um, and uh, people click on that link, land on that page and then click on another link and then click on another link and then Google begins to realize sometimes the actual page that is the best answer is four, five, six clicks further away. And that's why sometimes you'll see in the results that um, one result gets replaced by another. Uh, the reason that I labor that point is that end user data is really important. So what we've got, we've got text on a page, we've got link analysis, and now who's actually engaging with the content? Yeah, so the reason that's important is to understand that I think Google said they've had some site of some, I don't know, 70 trillion links, whatever it is. They're yeah. never gonna be able to crawl the entire World Wide Web. That's never gonna happen. You know, it takes so much time, we'd all be dead before they got to the end. Um, and at the same time, there is so much crap that's out there as well, yeah, yeah, that they really need to know what are the most important pages that need to be updated more often. So again, looking at end user data, who's actually interacting with this content um, plays a huge role in how you uh, rank those pages. So, you know, even this just explaining the fundamentals of how information retrieval works, once you understand these basic principles, understand what it is that Google's trying to do, then you don't ask so many crazy questions. <laughs> um, mm. And then you begin to understand, A, how to create content and how to help Google do its job better. And that's how you get rewarded with your own website. So let's start with text, first of all. One of the things that the crawler did right at the very beginning is just come in and take all of the text out of your page, drag it all out, yeah, and then look for particular keywords and then score them. And what I referred to earlier on is this thing called the vector space model. You can do a search for vector space model um, at, uh, at uh, Google or any other search engine, and there's so much information about this thing. But basically what it's doing, and it's hard to explain, that it is this kind of multi-dimensional space where all of these words live, yeah? But text is very poor to analyze into and turn into data. So what the vector space model does is it kind of, you know, if it was like a star chart, it's giving you a coordinate, yeah? And then Google can see in vector space words that lie closely together probably mean the same thing. The way that it's being used now with large language models, I mean, that was the basic principle of, principle of the vector space model back in the day. But the way that it's being used with large language models now is like, you know, a million uh, miles from uh, where it first started. And that's how the the uh, large language models work because they're just looking at um, what's the possibility that the next word will be this, the next word will be will be this. But there's still a protocol for creating web pages. And, and I used this a long time ago. It still works now. When the crawler comes into the page, yeah, it's kind of like imagining that you, you were uh, visually disabled or a blind person. Yeah. If you think about how a visually disabled person would read a newspaper, the first thing they do, fingers go to the top of the page and they go, oh, New York Times, that's it. It's not the Wall Street Journal. I wanted the New York Times. And then the fingers go down and there's a headline. Okay, what's the biggest thing in the news? 
over to one side, there's an image. They can't see the image, but there's a caption below explaining what the image is. And then they carry on and work their way down the page. And I've said this, when you're creating a web page, if you create it in that manner, like it was made for somebody who was visually, you have no idea how much you're helping the crawler, <laughs> you know, to be able to take yeah. the data from that page, know where it came from, from a title tag, which is still important, those kind of things in terms of, uh, of getting indexed. And then when you go to the ranking portion of that, how do I get links? Well, A, you need to have quality content. People need to know what your content is, you know. Um, so there are all kinds of things that you can do in other forms of marketing to let people know that your website is there and attract links in that way. But one of the other things that I discovered is the importance of web communities. So the other aspect of information retrieval that's really important is looking at network theory how we come together in groups, how we group ourselves together. And these most, most densely uh, populated areas of the web, most densely connected, are actually web communities. What does that mean? It doesn't mean they live geographically in the same place, but there are all of these, say, for instance, take the subject of information retrieval. If you do that search, all of the websites that you'll see and then go and follow the links are from subject matter experts. That's the expertise that we're talking about. So the best place to get links is where the people who are interested in your subject matter. Now, that could be anything from information retrieval to repairing shoes. It could be anything. Two Japanese scientists way back in the day did some great experiments looking at web communities. Uh, and I used to show this. Uh, shame I don't have to, to have it here to show today. Um, but they crawled X, you know, uh, billion pages um, and then were able to discover communities within those billions of pages. And one example they gave I thought was great. It was computer manufacturers and computer manufacturers were right at the very center, right at the very center of this uh, community. But then as it started to branch out, it was companies that make mice, companies that make cameras, companies that make keyboards, companies that make and then you start to look at all of the components that go into making computers, and then you see just how vast the uh, the community is. Um, and these are the places that you want to start thinking about getting links. And part of the problem that we've got with the link economy as it is right now is that if you're buying links or you're using a broker to get links for you, they'll you know get you links from anywhere on the web that they can get one, which is not necessarily within your community. And I've done this over and over again within the community. And then the other thing to remember again is what, again, information retrieval is doing, looking at authority. So when somebody links to you, the algorithm's not just looking to see how many links you have. It's also looking at who links to the people who link to you and who links to those people who, yeah, following it back in this um, way that uh, PageRank has been explained. And what they're looking for is a prestige score, which is built into information retrieval to begin with. The prestige score means you get an extra couple of points if a really important site points to you. You know, and it's like I was saying earlier on about the um, the publications, the scientific publications. You know, one of them may be more important than another, and if you get one from the more important. I've used the idea that it is much more in information retrieval terms, more about quality than it is about quantity. So you might have, you know, 500 links to your website 
um, and I might have 5,000 to mine and you'll still rank higher because if you've got 500 better quality links, that's going to make the difference. The analogy that I've used over and over again is I'm a um, an Irish Catholic and I could go to my priest any day of the week and say to the priest, Father, bless me with a link. And he probably will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I could go to another priest and say, bless me with a link. And But you know what? If I could just get one link from the Pope, that's the thing. If I could just get that one link from the Pope. And so when I still talk about link building to clients now, I still use that analogy. And I say, look inside our community. Who's the Pope? And that's the guy that we want. Yeah. And we're not just going to say, can you give me a link? I'll give you a link if you give me a link. Yeah. We're actually going to be able to do some business here. So what business can we do together? So not only is that link uh, of great value in terms of the potential to help you rank, the likelihood is it's also going to send you great traffic as well. Yeah. And, yeah. and in network theory, again, looking at that, that guy that I told you about, um, John Kleinberg, this is the book that he wrote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to know why linking is important, it's called Networks, Crowds, and Markets. And it explains every single aspect that you wouldn't want to read it on the beach, though. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice, Mike. Love it. Awesome, awesome, valuable. Uh, I have two questions. Uh, mm -hmm. The first question about uh, keywords. Uh, I remember in 2021, uh, someone from Bing uh, claimed that uh, keyword research will be obsolete in 2021. Google denied. Uh, John Mueller replied, to this tweet that mm -hmm. now we still have a room for keyword research but in 2023 uh, John Mueller uh, shares the same that keyword research is obsolete because Google can understand the context and rely to some keywords uh, you mentioned many times about keywords and uh, I know some experts who don't care about keyword research uh, they are looking for uh, topics, not keywords, uh, because uh, each page uh, can have a lot of keywords, 1,000 keywords, 10,000 keywords, or 100 keywords. So can you tell how it's important today about keyword research? Because Ahrefs, Moz, SEMrush are still so popular, <laughs> can earn $100 million uh, by selling keyword research. People love it, uh, still use it. Uh, but Google, Bing can tell it's obsolete your thoughts about that yes and no at the same time mm -hmm. yes keyword um <clears throat> look, given that i explained earlier on the problems that you had with keywords i.e that it won't bring back necessarily all of the best documents if you only look at the keywords fish tank tropical fish aquarium yeah so with mm -hmm. these keyword expansion techniques that google's been using forever they haven't relied wholly on just the keywords being there on the page, yeah, because they understand that certain phrases, uh, you know, words um, have uh, have different meanings. They also follow uh, query chains. Uh, what's a query chain? It's like nobody really sits down and types in exactly what they want. You know, you type a few things, you look at the results. That's not exactly what I'm looking for. Um, th there is a um, um, a paper that was written about this, that Google does this all of the time. So just to give you an indication of how Google necessarily doesn't need to, to look at the keywords to understand what the document is. So again, in terms of um, explaining how the, the query chain works, um, let's say, so, so I sit down and I type the word special collection. 
And I look at the results and I go, no, that's not what I'm looking for. And then I go, oh, special edition. And then I look at those results and I go, no, that's not. And then I go, oh, limited edition. So now I do a search for limited edition, okay? I've given you a tiny little query chain, just a query chain. Sometimes this can be dozens and dozens, depending on how many times you reformulate the query, yes? But let's just take a look at that little query chain. When Google has seen that query chain, you know, a thousand times or more, the next time somebody sits down and types the words special collection, Google goes, no, he wants the books, idiot. Give him the books. So they give you the books, and you look at the books, and you go, wow, this is exactly what I was looking for. But Google says, but it's not what you asked for. So if you think about that, the keywords at the beginning of that query chain um, didn't really mean anything to Google, but Google can tell, predict that what you're actually looking for, and that's the use of machine learning. Google's been doing this for a, a very, very long time. So the other thing is on the keyword front, keywords are directional. They, they can simply tell you where the content is. Yes. Yeah, but they're not the most important thing on the page. The context of the page, and like you say, the topic, and then given where you live inside the index, yeah, and where your link lives, your links live inside that community. There's all kinds of stuff that Google can figure out from that. But to be more precise about does it, do keywords matter, keywords don't matter in the sense that you have to dot them all over pages like people used to do in the good old days so that, you know, and hidden text and all of that kind of thing. The way that um, Google is looking at things now, if you think about the term artificial intelligence, it's an umbrella term. It covers lots of things. It covers robotics. It covers machine learning, uh, neural networks, okay? Machine learning side of things that Google's been doing has been absolutely amazing. But more recently, Google is looking more like at natural language than anything else, okay? So neural information retrieval is a brand new area of using artificial intelligence, okay? And instead of looking, do these keywords exist on this page? It's like understanding your language, the query, yeah? And what's the language that's used on the pages or the corresponding content? Remember, the corresponding content could be an image, could be a 30-second video, could be a web page, could be any one of those kind of thing. So we're in a, a brand new era now of not having to stuff pages with keywords to give Google an indication of what the, the subject matter is. Google gets it already. Gets it. Yeah. Now what you need to do is remember, you know, what I was saying earlier on in the uh, early days of creating a page like somebody with a visual disability. But what you're actually doing is just good copywriting just writing in a protocol that can be uh, understood. So Google can understand that page now. Don't write for Google. And, you know, John yeah. Muller and people like that will tell you, don't write for the machine, okay? You don't write for the machine. You write for the end user to get that kind of uh, the engagement that you want. And when you do want to speak to the machine, that's why you've got structured data. Yeah, that's why you've got schema. Uh, and again, you know, given the uh, huge problem with information retrieval terms that Google has in crawling the web and seeing trillions and trillions of pages over and over again, deciding which ones to crawl. Google's actually gone to look at which are the most important pages. Some of that's going to be based on the linkage data because there are plenty of times that Google has information about the importance of a page that hasn't been crawled because it can see the linkage data surrounding it. You know, So again, it's more a case of creating content 
that is designed specifically for the end user to engage the end user. And what does engagement mean? You know, I see a lot of stuff that people talking about, you know, trying to artificially, uh, you know, lengthen dwell time on web pages and those kind of things. <laughs> At the mm -hmm. end of the day, Google understands what the experience is. Google understands from even subject matter, you know, how long people engage with a page. If I want to know the weather here in New York today, yeah, and I go to the weather channel and it says 85 degrees, that was 0.8 of a second engagement. <laughs> You know, some people might say that's a bounce on a page, but the Weather Channel goes, "Yep, that was good. I got nice. the information. I got the information I needed. It only took 0.8 of a second." You know? Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I think yeah, Google is smart you know, to recognize many things today. <laughs> it's not Google; AI can do it for Google. <laughs> so yeah. But the thing uh, is, with Google, that, that they are so advanced. You know, I wrote the first comprehensive book on uh, SEO and the underlying, uh, you know science of information retrieval i wrote that 22 years ago mm -hmm. and a lot of what i wrote about there is as relevant now yeah in terms of understanding the science the technology that powers it has advanced you know light years ahead but the science still remains and i'm very much anticipating um uh, mike king i don't know if you've had mike icon king yeah yeah he's on, on my yeah. podcast yeah two times yeah yeah <laughs> So, so Mike is is working on a book, which is the science of SEO. Um, mm -hmm. And I've, I've tried to help a little bit with some of the early work that I did. But I think his book is actually going to be one of the best sellers when it eventually comes out, because it's looking at how SEO is advanced. I just wish we wouldn't use the term SEO, search engine optimization, because that's not what we're doing anymore, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. But his book, The Science of SEO, um, uh, I, I'm a member of ACM, which is the world's largest computing society. And inside, I'm a senior member of uh, the Special Interest Group for Information Retrieval. So I'm able to get a look at some of the most advanced white papers on where artificial intelligence is going and neural information retrieval. Now, if you do a search for that um, and take a look at what Google is doing with things like BERT and understanding how the approach is not just based on the machine learning, but on neural networks, artificial neural networks, um, which is kind of how your brain works, uh, which is where Rank Brain started at the very beginning. That's when yeah. they started using this uh, this uh, neural approach. So I think, you know, Mike, um, when the book eventually comes out, it will be the modern version of SEO, and he himself studies information retrieval. So he'll be talking about the most modern techniques in that book. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I will read this book. I, I love reading books, uh, but actually I usually read marketing books. I never <laughs> read any SEO books, but yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna do. <laughs> uh, and I love marketing books more because in marketing, uh, I think all things that are related to human psychology, we you can use today in SEO. It's not like to cheat the system to game the system, to figure out how algorithms work. But if you know human psychology, if you can help human being, your customer, you can get great results. That's why I love more marketing books. Than... <laughs> but yeah. So I yeah, really... so what I'm working on right now is um, I didn't want to write just another book on the subject of SEO or information mm -hmm. retrieval. I've already done that. I've covered that. But one of the things that I did notice as a marketer Mm -hmm. is that product research has been around forever. It's not just since yeah. Google came. It's been there forever. And you can take information retrieval techniques 
particularly understanding intent, which is another area that I haven't really touched on. But again, the, the basic tenet of the taxonomy of search, informational, navigational, transactional, this is a psychological customer journey that you're going through. And that's why creating content in that manner and then connecting it to consumer behavior, that's where it becomes important in marketing. And quite a lot of marketing books um, that I've seen, uh, certainly again, more recently, un understanding how important search is, will include elements of the, the natural process that we go through as consumers in terms of finding the right kind of products and introduce an element of uh, information retrieval, uh, connecting it to consumer behavior, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, what Google's job is to satisfy an information need. It's not whatever people think, take your money for a paid search. At the end of the day, whatever the information need is, and like I say, that comes whether it's an, an image, a 30-second video, 150-page PDF, or a Google ad, or a local result, at the end of the day, you're still just satisfying that human need for uh, for information, you know? Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, Mike, I will add all your books in the description below. So I'm going to read. Do you know uh, what I did before? I don't know if you got it. I sent you a link, yeah. one of the classic uh, books. Uh, for academics and information retrieval. These books are really, really expensive. But for whatever reason, um, over at this website, they've made this one available for free. So if you want to pop that in, anybody yeah, who wants to know, uh, uh, yeah, they can go and download it for absolutely free. And it's, I wow, mean, it nice. really is an excellent, an excellent book. Yeah, you're so kind. Yeah, okay, guys, you can find this book in the description. Yeah, I have this link. I'll submit and I'll add to my LinkedIn post about this book and mike i want to ask a, a quick question about link building you mentioned about importance of uh, link building uh, but uh, the last time i see news that link building is not important like that was before and i remember when i started my digital journey uh, in that time i didn't know how to earn backlinks uh, i read a few articles uh, that told me you need to buy them. I bought and my content ranked well. Then Google changed the game in 2012. Uh, and I started to learn more about, about Whitehead SEO. Uh, um, and uh, today, uh, I don't remember even this method about uh, Blackhead. Uh, but anyway, I want to ask about importance of link building. Uh, uh, what I can see, uh, many experts can tell it's not like many years ago. Many SEO specialists don't use link building at all. I think it depends on your authority. If you have high authority, you don't need it. If you have no authority, it's better to to earn some authority. And uh, many methods are related today to topical authority. I mean, like to get authority for domain and Google can recognize other pages. So tell your thoughts about importance of link building today and what kind of methods to use. What do you think about topical authority or it's better to switch attention to promote specific URLs? So, uh, yeah, first of all, by the way, you probably won't know this, but it was me who coined the term black hat, white hat 21 years ago. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it was me who coined the, the, the term black hat, white hat. Uh, is link building as important? Uh, no, it's like, you know, as I explained before about keywords, you know, keywords are kind of table stakes more than anything else. You know, if you can 
do it, then why not do it? But don't force yourself. Uh, links, again, are still important. So let me tell you about the importance of um, hyperlink-based analysis um, for uh, ranking purposes. Gave uh, Google and all search engines an opportunity to look at web communities to add this authority um, that hits algorithm that I told you about John Kleinberg at the very beginning. He was the one who used the term authority way back in the day. That's where it comes from. And people don't fully understand. You don't get to claim yourself that you're an expert. Yeah. You get that. Okay. Bestowed upon you by the people who are linking to you and saying like, you know, in real life, this guy is, is actually an expert, but the problem that you do have you know, I explained about uh, the keywords, how you have problems there with the abundance, too many keywords. And uh, so the same thing with uh, links, the hyperlink based analysis was looking on who has the best quality of links. And then suddenly you realize, as Google did, probably around about 2005, if not before, that all we're doing here is relying on people who have web pages to link to other people who have web pages. What about the millions and millions of end users? How do they get to vote for their favorite content if they don't have any links? And obviously it's with their interaction, not just the clicks, it's just how many people prefer this document over that particular document. So is link building important now? Link building gives you the start. It gives you the kick that you need to get recognized, to get noticed. After that, what you want is millions of people or as many as you can actually clicking on your link and consuming your content, regardless of what it is. And that's going to become more important in the future because given that we're talking about information retrieval techniques, many are being designed now to look at how are we going to include AR and VR, augmented realities already becoming uh, something within the, all search engines now being Google, Baidu. If you do enough searches, you can see um, when Google, for instance, is asking you, can we have access to your camera and to your microphone? That's to create an augmented reality experience for you. So content is becoming um, not a thing, but it's becoming an experience. Um, anyway, sorry, going back to the, to the question at hand, mm -hmm. don't stop building links. It still provides a great clue, but do not depend on links for... Um, you know, the ultimate invisibility. That is actually going to go down to um, why people would look at my content on a particular subject before they look at yours. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I agree. And Mike, I have my final question mm -hmm. about a common question today. Is SEO dead? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, but I want to just rephrase about the future of SEO. What do you think? What kind of future will be? Because you mentioned about augmented reality. Uh, Apple is going to launch headset. I don't know how it looks, but it's probably like augmented reality uh, yeah. on your head. I've seen it. It's very know. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, 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 you know, it's interesting. I don't see a big difference because most people can take iPhone like this. So <laughs> it's the same like if you have this headset. But anyway, what do you think about the future of ACO and how we can adapt today to this possible future. So I've had many conversations, especially with people at Google, Google engineers. I mean, since all the time I've been in the industry, you know, every 18 months, SEO is dead. You know, somebody comes up with that <laughs> SEO is dead. I think it's that SEO is not dead. It's just it's turned, transformed into a different skill set. 
and therefore the term SEO doesn't fully um, explain the role that we are that we are playing in uh, marketing now and how important that role is. Search engine optimization, I've always said, I told her the last time we spoke, I've never met anybody who's optimized a search engine in this industry. So why it's called search engine optimization, I've no idea. So I think that the term SEO itself is going to have to go away. In our last conversation, if you remember, I told you I went from SEO to CEA, CEA yeah. the content experience analyst. And that explains much more what we're doing now, particularly when we look at marketing, advertising, at that customer journey. We're deciding what is the experience for this potential customer at each stage on that journey. And the content experience, obviously, it could be within search. It can be in social media, uh, within AR, VR, gaming. Uh, you know, there are so many places now where we get information uh, where it comes from. And the, the content experience that we create has to go with that. So it's not just about being a relevant document in an index. It's all about who you are, where you are, what time of day it is, what your past search history uh, tells about you. Um, you know, all of these clues that uh, that Google can get from you on, on user behavior, on your user behavior, to be able to narrow it down to give the best content experience to you. So is SEO as an industry... Uh, as an art or what or a science, whatever you want to call it, is that dead? No, but I think SEO as a term needs to go and take a lie down in the back room and have a rest. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, evolution. You know, uh, things change, so we need to adapt to the changes. And yeah, and uh, I agree. Uh, I wrote, to... I, I, sorry for interrupting. I wrote a, a column. Um, uh, many years ago, maybe it's 15 years ago, it's called the SEO and the blacksmith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, exp it explains what happened to blacksmiths and why SEOs would have to skill up a little bit more. So that was kind of a bit ahead of its time. But I, I do think now the role that we call we, we refer to as SEO is uh, much more sophisticated than sticking some keywords in a, a, a web page and trying to get some links. You know, that's We've come a long way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when I started my digital journey, uh, I hired a team of writers who wrote about anything. Uh, I gave them topics like weight loss, accounting, crypto, <laughs> anything. Uh, they wrote, uh, Google ranked well. Today, uh, I fired this team. Uh, Google helped me to do it. You know? <laughs> and today we have a team of editors who can edit content. And I have no idea how to write content about weight loss. If you ask me, uh, I can write crap, you know, as you mentioned, you know, about crap, uh, even by using AI. Even if I use ChatGPT, I can set up uh, the right prompts, but I can't, I can't. But I can with SEO, I can with digital marketing. So I think it's important to know the topic. Uh, even if you write manually or use AI, you need to edit, you need to uh, check uh, data, to analyze it. Uh, and if you don't know the topic, it's impossible. For me, uh, you, you can't create quality content. You can create some generic content. Yeah. But people and Google can recognize it. <laughs> yeah. Mike. It's, it's just like taking your role as a marketer and depending on where you're going to use your marketing skills. Some people like to do it in e-commerce. Some people prefer to do it working in a B2B manufacturing company, you know, um, and you take, and then you get to know, understand your subject matter 
and what it is that you're marketing to to do the marketing correctly you have to become a subject matter expert in whatever the product or the service is yeah nice mike it's a big pleasure to get in my show to learn from you i love this experience awesome valuable tell the best way how to keep learning from you how to reach out to you how to follow you uh, yeah yeah if you can search just search for mike green online you'll get linkedin you'll get facebook and uh you can just uh, write to me mike at chelseadigital.com nice nice guys you can find all the links in the description below you can find books uh when i get new books i'll share uh in uh, other posts uh so read them from uh mike king from mike grehan i'll share all these books because i know it's valuable uh i spoke with mike king yeah he he's great you know to share this valuable insights uh, i love this experience as well mike grehan you <laughs> know awesome awesome okay guys love you and see you thanks for listening to this entire podcast please rank your experience in apple spotify google or any other platforms that you may use also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.